You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Today, I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus 33. How about that transition? That was good. Right into it. It's good to be back with you guys. I have some things I want to share. I'm going to try to tighten it up from first service. First service, we went in, we went deep, we went after it things. This one, we're going to go gentle on you because I could tell some of you. No, don't. Okay, PJ, all right, we're going in. Exodus 33, like you guys have a say in all of this. Exodus 33, verse 7. It says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far away from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside of the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses, look at this, face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Today, Lord, we thank you for your presence that is in this room. We thank you, Lord, that you tore the veil and you have given us access to your presence. Today, we don't take that for granted. Lord, we are thankful for you, Jesus. We're thankful for your sacrifice. Holy Spirit, we're thankful that you abide and you're here. And so today, may you give us words of life, words of wisdom, challenging words. Lord, that we would look more like you in a time, in a season, in a place in history where we desperately need a touch from the Lord. Jesus, have your way. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. I want you to focus on the last sentence, verse 11 of this. It says, his assistant Joshua, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Today, I want to talk to you. The title of my message is called, Be in the Room. Be in the, turn to somebody and say, are you in the room? Just ask them that question. I know it's awkward, but are you really here? Are you here? Are you in the room? Are you present? Remember growing up in, in school, somebody say, Mark Rampula, and I go, present? Anybody remember that? I was told in the first service that that still happens today. Thank God. People are still present. Not all the time. Lucky to be here. We used to have to acknowledge that we're here. Here's the deal. I think there's something about being in the room. We, we say this. We say, if I could only be a fly on the wall. Have you ever said that? Has there ever been a situation where you wish you were in the room? There's a lot of situations. I have a few of them wrote down here I want to share with you. Number one, I think it would be great to be in the proverbial room when the Trinity created the earth. I know there's no room where that happened, but I just think how cool that would have been when God said, let there be light. And there was light. And it was like all of a sudden things started happening. It went from darkness to creation. 
How cool would that have been? How about when Mary and Joseph at different times got the news that they were going to be carrying the Son of God? How about that reaction? I would just love to see the face of Joseph when he was told that his wife was pregnant, or I should say his wife-to-be was pregnant, and it was the Son of God. Man, tell you about being in the room. I love what Jesus did when he was walking the earth, but there's two particular times where he did some miracles I think would be really cool. Number one, I thought it would be cool when Jesus healed the girl, raised the girl from the dead, and the whole crew was making fun of Jesus, and he said, get out of the room, and then he walks out of the room like a boss holding her hand, like you said, okay, now, she was just sleeping, you know what I'm saying? And then how about when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and the disciples are trying to cast out the demon from the boy, he's jumping into fire and water, and Jesus just says, Satan, come on, come out. And it's like, bam, done. I love those moments. I love to be in the room, not particularly why they were in the room, but when Paul and Silas were in jail, and that worship set that they put together, I mean, tell me about it. They were digging deep into deep worship cuts. They were pulling out the jams. And the worship was so strong that the walls, the gates, the chains broke off. How gangster is that when you walk out of the jail and not having to take off anything, just walk straight out? That would have been cool to be in the room. Now, there's some other things that are not in the Bible that I personally wish I was in the room. I am a huge fan of Sting and the police. Any police fans in this room? There you go. You have taste, ladies and gentlemen. I would have loved to have been in the room, bear with me, this is the music part of me, to be in the room when the three of them for the first time got together to jam. Listen, I'm from an era where we actually got in garages and played. Before the, before the game garage band, I was the garage in the band. Or, I was the band in the garage. I, I, was, I was doing it. And I think about how cool it would have been to see these three giants come together and play music. Now, I also think, there would have been fun to be in the room. Now, I was in a room. It was Olive Garden. One of the rooms there had my my, my, my girlfriend, Leanne, there. And I, we were talking about getting married. And I, I looked her in the eye and, and I said to you, are you ready to travel the world and to be with a rock star? Are you ready to do that? I would have loved to have been in heaven when angels... Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, all the created beings just laughed and said, you ain't going to be a rock star. You're going to be a dad of 10. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that. They were, they, were, they were having a good time. Now, I also, because I love my wife so much, I think it would be so great to be in the room when this beautiful woman was conceived. But then I thought about it. Then I thought about it. Then I thought about it. I, I, I wouldn't want to be in that room because my in-laws are in here. It just made it awkward. That joke hit a little differently than the first service, didn't it, Chris? I think you're getting what I'm trying to say here. There's certain moments you wish you were in the room. Of course, there's certain moments you don't. One of the times in history that I know, and I know there's a lot of young people in this room, and, and you read about it, but think about this. 9-11. Do you remember where you were? Those of you that are around my age and older, like I remember specifically where I was. I was working at a company called Disc Makers right over the bridge from Philadelphia. I remember what happened. I remember working and something took place. We, we didn't know exactly what it was. One of my good friends was an engineer in the mastering suite in the back. So I went back there. He had a TV. We huddled around the TV. We're watching images of a plane hit the World Trade Center. I remember telling our, our boss said, everybody's going home because we had people that lived in Philadelphia. At the time, an airplane went down in, in Pennsylvania. So we are like, what is happening? I remember 
getting my newly married wife. We only been married for a little bit. We went over your parents' house, sat glued to the TV for hours trying to figure out what was happening. I want to share some images here. This first image was the moment, this was on Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, where the chief of staff actually whispers in the then president, George W. Bush, that a plane had hit the World Trade Center. He was actually teaching, reading a book to an elementary school in Sarasota, Florida. You can see his face there. But this is the next one is, is what intrigues me because this is a photo of them on Air Force One at 6.20 p.m. and they're being escorted by F-16 fighter fighter jets. Is that right? And they were escorting them to Washington, D.C. And I'm thinking about what it would have been like to be in the room in those sequential days about figuring out what took place and what do we do. Now, there's a lot of times where we think about what it would have been like in the room. But here's the interesting thing about it. We just read about a moment where God came down in a manifested glory cloud. And we talk about God, show us your glory. We just sang it. Moses was literally in a tent and the cloud that would lead them by day in the desert actually would come down and meet with Moses face to face. Just for a moment, think about that in your mind. The king of glory coming down and speaking to Moses face to face. But the thing that boggles my mind is that there was a young man in the tent named Joshua. Scripture talks about it. And he's sitting in the tent. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was just chilling in the corner. But he was watching this encounter and he was taking notes. I don't know if he could hear everything that God would say. I don't know if God was audible or God was speaking to the spirit of Moses. But Joshua was in the presence of something happening. And he was literally in the room. Now, Scripture talks about this. And it says that people would watch them from afar. They would watch this tent. Now, there's a few things about this tent because this was pre Temple, this is pre-tabernacle. This was the original tent of meeting. This was the first time that God actually would come to a dwelling and inhabit something. And so here he is. He has made this tent in the desert. Now let me remind you, this is Moses. Dude's tired, all right? He's been surrounded by upwards to probably around a million people wandering the desert. Tell me that's not stressful. Some of you like stress because you have two kids. He has a million people telling him, what are we going to eat? Where are we going to go? When are we going to get there? Can you imagine that question? Are we almost there yet, Derek? Are we almost there? Like, I, I don't know where we're going. I've seen this rock for the last 10 years. We've been surrounding this desert, running around. And God is meeting with Moses. And Moses is sharing his frustrations. He's speaking to God like someone would speak to a friend face to face. I want you to hear this. Because this is something that we as the church have lost. This, this, this intimacy that God had with Moses. But even more important than that is there would literally a man watching this unfold. He was in the room. He had a first place encounter. I want you to write this down. Being in the room is different than viewing from afar. Scripture talks about it. The Israelites were at their tents, and they would watch Moses come into the tent. Tell me this wasn't cool. Here comes Moses. Now, it's interesting. The tent was way out of camp, but they would watch him go into the tent, and all of a sudden, this cloud would go like this. It would just come right to the entrance of the tent, and as soon as it did, everybody at their own tent would begin to worship God because they knew their leader 
was having an encounter with God. See, let me just tell this to you today. And this is not just young people, old people. It's all different people. Anybody in this room. People are watching your encounter. They're watching you. They're watching you. They are watching to see, are you going to live out what you say? They're watching you to see, are you really truly a Christian? Do you really love Jesus? What are you posting? What are you writing about? And here's the deal. When they watched Moses, they watched a man have an encounter with the creator like a man would have an encounter with a friend. God reveals his glory to Moses, and Joshua is in the midst of it. He's getting the residue of it. Being in the room. What does that mean when I say be in the room? It means this, being present where the things and the moves of God are present. There's no secondhand information. How many of you have FOMO? Raise your hand if you ever have FOMO in your life. Some of you just went right up. It's like, I'm FOMO. The rest of you, you don't even know what it means. That's why you didn't raise your hand. Fear of missing out. Anybody have fear of missing out? Come on, you know you do. The reality is, is Joshua had no fear of missing out. He was in it. He saw it. He was part of it. He, he learned. He observed. And there is accountability in the room. Now Joshua was accountable for the things that were happening in this room. There's a difference between being at the front of your tent and watching somebody have an encounter to being in the room with the encounter. My question to you are, is are you in the room? Not just this room. Are you where Jesus is? Are you in the presence? Are you sacrificing? Because here's the deal. Many of you today would say, well, I can have an encounter in my own personal walk with God. You can. Good news. God did that. He tore the veil. Jesus tore the veil. When he died, the veil was torn. There is no more, only one person getting in. Now you can have an encounter with God in your living room, in your car, in your school, in your work environment. God can come and he can manifest his glory. But let me say something to you today, church. There's something different about a corporate anointing. When you come and gather together for every burning bush moment, one-on-one encounter, there's a Pentecost moment where God encounters people together. And when we get together and we encounter God, something changes. I want you to hear me today. People that have personal encounters with Holy Spirit tend to desire corporate encounters even more. If you have an encounter with God, you want to have an encounter with everyone and God at the same time. How do I know that? Because Moses spoke to God one-on-one and he said this to them, unless you go with me and with them, I'm not taking them. He realized they can't live off of what I'm getting. They have to experience you too. I can't just have this encounter and lead all these people. They need to have an encounter with you too. What am I saying today? I'm saying that how we worship together, how we are in the room with God matters. And this is where things are going to get a little dicey right now because I'm going to probably step on some of your toes. But good news, everybody's toes are going to get hurt today. Because the reality is we all need to be rewired, realigned, rebrought into position. We have forgotten the importance of gathering together. Corporate unity, Matthew 18. We take these scriptures. Look at this. It says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. We love that one. I'm binding and loosing. Hallelujah. Do you know what I'm binding? Do you know what I'm loosing things? But we don't realize the context in which it is in. Jesus is speaking to people having disagreements. He's saying you will never have authority in supernatural places if you can't get along with people that you actually see. 
personally, face-to-face in the natural. You're not going to have a supernatural encounter until you actually have a natural, whole, healthy encounter with people in your church. How do I know this? Let's keep reading. It says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything. Now, that's why he said just two, because it's going to be hard enough for married couples to agree on anything. He's saying if two of you can just agree on anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Look at this. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I among them. That means that when we gather together, something happens that's different than when you gather with God by yourself. How do I know it? Because the enemy has tried so hard over these last two years to get you isolated and disconnected from one another. See, here's the deal. And this is not some kind of conspiracy theory or some political jargon. The reality is two years outside of all of this, we realized the real threat wasn't necessarily COVID. It was the isolation. It was the brokenness. It was the depression. It was the anxiety. It was the fear that was unleashed. You could see a spirit that was unleashed in 2020. And we sat back and we're wondering, what do we do now? And God says, I want you to connect to the body of Christ. You need one another. Let me, let me speak to all the, all the introverts in this room. Can I just speak to you? If you're an introvert, don't raise your hand because that freaks you out. All the introverts, I don't care what you say. You can try to debate me all day long. Don't come at me. I'm telling you, you need people in your life. You were not created to be an island. You were not created to be a lone ranger. You were not created to do this alone. So can you have an encounter with God and can it be powerful? Absolutely. But there's something about being in the room. Say being in the room. Being in the room. Now, I know this for a fact because I grew up in the church. I had parents, like some of you in this room, where they drug me to church. Back in the day when I was growing up, we didn't have an option. Little Marky didn't get asked, do you want to go to church today, little Marky? Little Marky, get your butt in the car, we're going to church. And we were the first ones there. (laughs) We were the last ones to leave. Dear Lord, help us. But I thought about it. I thought about it, Lee, and I thought about it. I've never even, like even right now, I don't ever look back and go, I wish I would have spent less time in church. I don't know about you, but those of you, anybody, church, long time, grow up in church? Any of you, put your hands up if you're church. There you go. That's why I like these people. The, 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 the church, these rows, this was my bed. My dinner was fish. That was it. Fishies, whatever I had to eat in the children's ministry. Goldfish, that was it. That was your dinner, Cheerios. You're going to eat Cheerios for dinner, and you're going to like it. You're going to sleep right there until it's 11 o'clock. We're going to drag you home. But how many know that that's not happening today? See, I was thinking about this when we, when we, when we were talking about this. The Lord gave me this message. I was thinking about it. I was like, well, what is happening? And I realized it's a generation in the middle where we're starting to realize that maybe we don't need to be at church all the time. Maybe it's good for little Jimmy to get to bed at 7.53. Uh oh. You know, I had a hard day at work. I don't I don't need to be at a revival night. Uh oh. See, here's the deal. I made a prayer to the Lord many years ago. When I saw what God was doing in Nashville, now I want you to know, like this isn't just me taking a spiritual temper temperature check of what's happening. I'm listening to people like Papa Don, people that have been in ministry for many years, and they're saying something's happening here. And I'm wise enough, at least here I was, to say, God, I want to make a request. 
My request is this, God, that whatever's happening in Nashville, I want to be part of it. I'm like kind of like an Obed-Eden, if you know who that guy was in the Old Testament. I'll be a door, I'll be a gatekeeper. I'll be whatever you need me to be. I just want to be around the presence of God. I don't want to miss it. And do you know that that prayer that I prayed years ago, I believe that is what sustained me and has allowed me to be in the room where I have no right to be? I believe that. There's times where I'm literally going, why am I here? Of all the pastors, I'm the dude behind five other churches on the side alley street with a drop ceiling. What else? Did I miss anything? Not enough space. Thank you. Remind, remind me. Okay, no more. You're depressing me now. I'm that pastor. And I'm in this room. How did I get here? It's because I've said yes. Now listen, I'm not. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have anything magical. I don't have any degree on the wall. All I can say is, is that I've refused to say no when God says, be in the room, I'll be in the room. Now here's the deal. Many of us, we're going to miss what God wants to do because we're not available. We're not in the room. This past week, two weeks ago, this week, I don't remember anymore when it was, we got to go to Hawaii. Now I'm thinking, wow, this is great. People are like, must be nice to go to Hawaii. You know, must be nice. <laughs> you know that's FOMO. That's, you got to deliver. You got to get that worked on with Jesus. But I, but I was invited. We were invited. We were invited. God took care of the cost for us. Why? Because God invited us into a discussion. Hear me out. I want to get all the details. Some of you don't even care. The reality is, is I was in a room planning and praying for what God wants to do for Nashville. And I'm sitting there with my wife and I'm going, how did we get here? And I keep hearing the Lord say, if you will be obedient, I'll get you in the room. If you'll be willing to make the sacrifice. Listen, it costs something. I want, you to, I want you to write this down. Being in the room demonstrates your faithfulness. I'm not throwing shade on people that didn't show up today. I get it. There's people watching us online. They're home. They're sick. They can't get out. Whatever that is. But what I'm saying is, is we've become a church. The body of Christ has become a church that refuses to pay the cost. There's a cost of following Jesus. Did you know that? Some of the older generation, you get it. You, you, you've paid the cost. You, you realize, you know, it wasn't easy to get to church because you had to walk both ways up the hill in snow with no shoes. I heard those stories. It's tough. <laughs> now we have cars and things to get us here. But I'm going to give you a word that stops you from being in the room. One word, one word. It's an easy word. It's a word that I've seen be used more than ever before now in my life. I'm 48 years old. I've never heard this word before. I look at the word. I hear people say it. I'm going, how in the world can you use the word? And the word is busyness. Too busy. Do you know that people were busy during COVID? I'm like, how do you get busy? You can't go anywhere. People were still busy. Still busy. Still busy in quarantine. Busy. Busy trying to find toilet paper. I got to get up early. <laughs> got to get in lines. Got to find the toilet paper. We got to do this. I'm busy. I'm busy. Do you know that many of us were using the word busy as an excuse? Because the reality is, is if I offered you two tickets to Hawaii, you would free your schedule up. You'd find the busyness to go away. You'd ooh, hallelujah. Why? Because busyness stops us from entering in the room. We have actually, listen to me, we have actually convinced ourselves that it doesn't matter anymore if I miss it. God moves. That's all right. I'll catch it on YouTube. I'll watch the recap on Instagram. 
I've never, I'm, it, it literally, like people don't care anymore. If God does something, they'll hear about it. Church, what has happened to our first love? Like what happened when some of you that married for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, when you first met that person, woo, you would drive four hours one way. You didn't matter. You couldn't wait to be with her. Now as the church, we don't care anymore if God's moving. We'll hear about it. Send me some cliff notes. Those of you remember cliff notes? Send me those things. I don't care. I'll watch the replay. And God's like, man, if you would be in the room, it's different than trying to watch it later. There's something. I've watched services online, and it's different than when I'm in the room. What was the difference between Moses and Joshua? Some people believe that Joshua was in the tent because he had to protect it. He was the assistant. So when Moses would leave the tent, Joshua would stand guard, make sure nobody messed with the tent. You know, it said that people could go in the tent and meet with, people, meet with God, and, and, but it doesn't say anyone had the authority that Moses did. That when he would meet with God, God would actually come. But here's the thing that I love about Joshua. And I, we don't have a whole lot of information here, but I know this. That Joshua got to experience a transaction that no one else in the nation of Israel got to experience. He was actually in the room. He was actually able to glean information. And here's, the, here's you want to hear something profound? He was able to do things that Moses couldn't do. It wasn't Moses that got the people into the promised land. It was Joshua. It wasn't Moses that had the faith to believe that they could take the giants. It was Joshua. It was not Moses that walked around the building and the walls of Jericho and saw the walls come down. It was Joshua. Joshua was the one that got him through. Joshua was the one that got him over the Jordan. Joshua was the one. Why? Because when he was in the room, his faith grew. He was demonstrating faithfulness and he received faithfulness. And I may say this to you too. It wasn't just that God, that Joshua was watching God and Moses, but God and Moses was watching Joshua. There was an interview taking place without even Joshua. Joshua knowing. For many of us, we miss a move of God and we miss God moving in our life because we're not present. You'll, you'll fail every job interview you never go on. Let me, let me explain to you Deuteronomy 31. And the Lord said to Moses, look at this. This is the job interview. Behold, the days are approaching when you must die. Thank you, God. Moses probably saying, where are we going with this? Call Joshua and present yourself in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Joshua and Moses went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. This is one of the only occurrences where we actually see a transition where one leader to another, where God's presence actually comes from heaven and meets with them and blesses them. Why? Because Joshua was used to being in the room. We've forgotten what it's like. Now, I get this sometimes when we've had gatherings with leaders and pastors of other churches. I'll be there if, if you need me or you need to use me. This is Nashville. Can we just talk about it? It's Nash Vegas. It's like, well, you know who I am? Do you know who I am? You know what I can bring? And people will come to a meeting if you use them. But how many people would come if they have no prerequisite? There's nothing for them to do but just actually sit there and absorb what God is doing. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for leaders that are not so interested in getting the mic, getting the pulpit, selling their books, preaching their message, telling people who they are, but actually willing to sit in a place of humility and receive where they'll say, I'm here because I don't want to miss what God's doing. That's what God's looking for. 
That's what he's looking for. Sometimes our position gets in the way of us receiving. I love this. I love what what God says in, in Exodus 33. He says this. He says the tent was outside of the camp. That means there was a cost to it. It wasn't convenient. It, you didn't just wake up. See, some people were at the front of their tent and they got to witness Moses meeting with God, but then you had to actually walk to the tent. Like there was, there was a cost. I actually have to walk to it. I got to do something out of my comfortability. I got to make sure, like, I got to step out of my comfortableness. This is awkward. This requires time. My legs are tired. I had a busy day. I don't really feel like being there. You're not going to trip me. I saw that, Patrick. You know, see, see, that requires momentum. It requires a sacrifice. And for many of us, we become so used to getting things easy. I thought about it. I was like, no wonder we can't petition God for things because we're so used to just sitting and being fed. What would the body of Christ look like if we actually went after things? Like we said, God, I'm not going to stop praying until this is done. I'm not going to stop believing for my uncle, my aunt, my grandparents, my son, my daughter for their salvation until, until it's done. I'm going to walk. I'm going to prayer walk. I'm going to believe. I'm going to petition. Why? Why? You're not begging God. You're shifting atmospheres. See, for many of us, we pray one prayer. It didn't work. Okay, I give up. But see, Joshua was in the tent with Moses. He was in the room. He knew what it meant. I'm calling the church out to a higher level. Nashville, church, wake up. It's time to wake. God is not impressed with your degrees. He's not impressed with how many books you've written. He's not impressed with your platform or how big your steeple is. What he's impressed with, will you come and just be in my presence? Will you just be in the room? I'm not trying to tell you that I figured this out, but I've sat in a lot of rooms and had no responsibilities. I've done those things where I've walked home going, what, what happened? Did I, did I get anything from this? So many times we're looking for the, for the goosebumps, for the presence markers, right? The hair stands on the back of my head, you know, whatever we deem to be the presence of God. But how many know that sometimes God plants a seed and you may not see the, the germination of it. You may not see the, the flowers or the green that comes from it. But when that seed's planted, it will reap a harvest. And sometimes just being in the room, on a night of worship, God plants a seed. You know, there's been times where I've been in the room, I'm just going to confess with you, like I'm going to tell you as your pastor, there's been times I've been in the room and I've been in a worship setting here and I close my eyes, you know, because that's holy, right? Close my eyes and next thing I know, I got drool because I went, I, I took a little sleep. I took a little nap. Your pastor fell asleep in the presence of God. And I woke up, I was like, oh my God, I just drifted off. Did anybody notice? I'm working off the sleep. And then I realized, I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? I disrespected God. And I heard God's voice say, no, no, no. When you're in my presence, there's rest. For some of you, you don't even know what it's like to be in the presence and not do anything but just rest. We're so stressed. The day I got to do something. I got to do, Jesus is here. I got to, I got to do something. I got to pray. I got to, and God's like, no, no, just sit and rest in the room. The room experience increases your hunger and your power. When you're in the room, there's a hunger. How do I know? Because Psalms 34, 8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. You can't, listen, 
Thank you so much for taking pictures of your food at Thanksgiving. We really appreciate that. But I'm telling you, your picture may look good to you because you've tasted it. But when I look at it, I'm going, that's just not, doesn't look that appetizing. Like those green bean casserole, nobody wants that. Let's just be honest, right? Like, like I, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, my, my, our aunt cooked some kind of, what was it, a pineapple thing? Some pineapple, it was like amazing. Like that was the highlight of my life. Thank you for cooking that. Well, just that moment, that day. But the reality is, I could take a picture of Aunt Julie's beautiful pineapple souffle. Is that what it was? Okay, good. And, and you could go, that don't look that good. Why? Because you weren't able to taste and see. Come on now. You have to, what does that mean? You can't live off of my Instagram post. You can't live off of what I tell you. You actually have to be in the room to taste. And some of you, the food is your love language. You just got that. You're like, hallelujah, hallelujah. When you're in the room and you taste and see that he's good, there's nobody that can tell you differently. You had an encounter with God. Somebody could say, there is no God. So, uh-uh, I was in the room. I have experienced his glory. I have witnessed his healing power. Well, God doesn't heal today. Uh-uh, I've seen people get healed. I've been in services where people have been healed by the presence of God. You can tell me all the scriptures you want to debate. Come on. But the reality is I have been in the room. I have witnessed firsthand, and I know that he is good because I tasted and seen. Jeremiah 29, not 11, 13. Bear with me here. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your leftover time. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. That means everything within you saying, God, I am seeking you. My schedule, my desires, the things that I have deemed important don't matter. I want you above everything else. It's that hunger. Oh, man, I wish Nashville would get a hunger again. I wish that we would get hungry again. I wish that we would realize, because let me give you a little insider tip. The two spies that saw the promised land and said, we can take it, one of them was Joshua, who spent time in the room. The other 10, guess where they were? At their own tent, watching God move somewhere else. When you are in the tent with God, you have a faith to believe in power. I want you to write this down. Your faith grows in the presence of God. When you are encountering God together corporately, oh man, there's something about going, come on, Josh, come on. There's something about being in the room with the prices to know that they're worshiping the same God I'm worshiping, that we got generations, we got different ethnicities, we got different backgrounds and beliefs. We all believe God, but guess what? We can, we can have different opinions of, oh, this, this, and that. See, here, let, let, me, let, me, let me pause for a moment. I don't know where that came from. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. The reality is, as many of us are so nitpicking over different theological beliefs that the enemy has got us out of the room with people we should be in the room with. What if you got in a room with a Lutheran, a Methodist, a Baptist, Assemblies of God, a Church of Christ? What if we all worship together? Oh, I've seen that happen. And guess what? There's something tangible in the atmosphere. I've been in rooms with all different ethnicities like this church. And guess what? There's something tangible that happens. See, Jesus isn't interested in you gathering with people that believe and do and look and act and do the same thing you do. He's saying, will you gather with the church? Unify the body. That's why the body has been broken, segmented, disjointed, because the enemy 
enemy knows if they get in the room together and they worship God together in their differences, something will happen like Pentecost did in that upper room moment. That's what I'm fighting for. That's why I'm passionate. Somebody like, this guy needs to settle down. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of the church missing it. I'm tired of being at prayer gatherings and looking around and I see 10 older ladies praying. Now, shout out to older ladies because they pray. I, I'm telling you, I, yes, you can give them a hand. But there's something about it that the generations are missing. Well, you know, it's too busy tonight. I, I got things to do. I got to get up early. Okay, let's see when you get to heaven, you'll remember that sleep time. And let me speak to the young generation in this room. Leanne and I have been spending time studying and being around the next generation. And there's something rising up in them that is different than what I've seen before. And if you don't agree with me, just look how the world is coming against them. Because the enemy knows if they wake up, you're going to wake up my generation and the ones before you. So I'm just saying, don't lose your passion. Don't think it's just a phase. Oh, well, we're young. We have extra time. No, no, no. You make time as you get older. As you're married. Come on, Johnsons. You continue to make time. Come on now. Listen, I'm telling you, we need to realize that the presence of God is important. Being in the room is important. Hebrews 11, this is the hall of faith. This is where God begins to list all the people that have radical faith. And he mentions Joshua. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled by seven days. Let me just mention to you, you have to have an encounter with God to walk around the walls of Jericho for seven days and nothing's happening. Because by day three, people start complaining. Uh, listen, I have 10 kids. They're complaining in the first five minutes. They're, they're, like, when are we going to, why are we doing this, Dad? What are we doing? I, this, this past week, I asked them to help me trim some bushes. And I'm telling you, like I was like trying to get them to do it. And they're like, okay, this is boring. What else can we do? And my son's like, I don't care. Like people were fighting me. But I knew like if we keep doing this, something's going to happen. And see, for many of you, you've given up because you don't see any action on the first time. You go to a, a prayer meeting and you don't see God answer your prayer on the first time you prayed. But then if you come again and you come again and you come again. See, as I'm walking around this wall, you guys are looking at me going, that guy's crazy. But I had an encounter with God. I was in the tent of meeting. I watched him do things with Moses that none of you all saw. So I know that on the seventh time, I don't know what number I'm at, seventh time, these walls are going to blow down. And I'm going to walk through this. And so God says, oh, by the way, I want you to really trust me because on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. Why? Because he's trying to get past your analytical mind. Because you know, everybody was thinking, okay, on the seventh day, we're going to walk Walk around it one time and it's gonna come down. And no, God says, No, 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 no. On the seventh day, you're gonna walk around it seven times. And people are like, But don't you know where I gotta go? I have an appointment. I have a dentist appointment. And I gotta go, I gotta go check on the sheep, man. I gotta do these things. And God's like, No, no, no. If you seek me, if you're in my presence, if you trust me, see, here's the deal. Nobody was hating on Moses. Oh, let me say this. Nobody was hating on Joshua when those walls fell down. Joshua didn't look foolish when those walls came down. See, for some of you, you're worried about what people think. But God says, if you will be in my presence, if you will be in the room, if you will prioritize me over your kids, what? Over your marriage, what? Over your job, what? Over your health, what? Guess what I'll do? I'll tear down those walls you've been waiting for. I got in the zone. I totally got in the zone. I don't know when I was going to stop. 
here's the deal. I look foolish to many of you. But when you have an encounter with God, you don't care what people think. See, Nashville, you got to wake up. Nashville's got to wake up. I'm tired of begging people to come to church. I'm tired of bribing people to come to a prayer night. Tired of, tired of hyping people up to come to worship nights. We got to have some kind of level of smoke and lighting and stages, all these things to get people to come to worship. And you know what you're worshiping? You're worshiping an experience. Let's be real. Nashville loves experiences. But what if I said to you, tonight we're going to come, and we're not going to do anything. In fact, we're just going to leave the lights real dim, not going to turn on the PA, not going to do anything. I'm not even going to share. But we're just going to sit here, and we're going to encounter God. I'm asking you, let, 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 no shame. I'm, even myself, I'm like, should we do that? Do I want to come to that? Like, like literally, why? Because we're so entertained. But when you're in the room with God, there is nothing else more important than his presence. So what I'm trying to say to you, church, is you will never take a city until you have an encounter with God. And I don't know what your Jericho is. I don't know what you're believing for, but guess what? You'll never take it until you first get along with the Lord and you come together corporately and worship him. How do I know this? Because this is what sustains you. Matthew 16, Jesus says this. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For, listen to this, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Now, I love, I love putting this in context when I look at Hollywood, right? We see people that love Jesus and they get famous and all of a sudden they start the slippery slope of compromise, right? But I don't know if that's necessarily what he's talking about. Because let me, let me paint it this way. What would it profit us if we make a fortune, build a corporate enterprise, write a hit song, meet the person of our dreams, get into the college that we want, buy the dream house, travel the world, become a huge social media influencer, have tons of beautiful kids and grandkids. What if we do all of this, but we forfeit our soul? It is meaningless. And I listed a lot of good things, some things you're praying for right now. But what God is saying is if you lose the art of being in the room, if you lose the art of saying, God, you are over and above every dream. I'm telling you right now, there's people in this room that it's hard for you to say that. I get it. Sometimes I wonder, God, am I serving you because of what you can give me or am I serving you because of what you've already done? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. Look at this. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. We don't like the works-based thing because salvation is not based on your works. But there are works in the kingdom. And you have to grow your faith. And you have to do things. I'm sorry if you were taught an incomplete gospel. Like, come on in. Just have a scene. Don't do anything. That's not what it is. It says go into all the earth. There's disciple making on your agenda. There is spending time in his presence. There is action in the kingdom. And the kingdom of laziness will never accomplish anything. The kingdom of busyness will never accomplish anything. The kingdom of stress Let me just say this, because some of you may think like, you know, well, Mark and Leanne has this figured out. He's got 10 kids, you know, and I got one or two kids and my life is, 
No, let me just tell you, there's not a day, maybe a week that goes by where we're not like, wow, this is a lot of work, right? Say amen, please. There's not an hour that goes by, my wife said. Yes, we're exhausted. <laughs> That's the understatement of the year, man. I'm tired right now. But God told me to do this. And I think about every time that I may want to complain about the things that I'm doing. And I think about what the joy that we get to have 10 beautiful, healthy, Jesus-loving kids. Whew. Listen. Don't become a person that forgets what it's like to be in the room with the presence of God. Don't neglect this. Listen, I'm not throwing shade on people that aren't sitting here. I know you're sitting here. I'm talking about the seats that have nobody in them. But I'm thinking about how many people today in the body of Christ are missing things. It's funny, we, we Thanksgiving reminds us like either how beautiful our family is or how dysfunctional our family is or the things we don't have or the things we do have, right? But how come from the very beginning we don't remember that Thanksgiving is really about giving him thanks? I don't know how your relationship is with your uncle, your grandparents, your kids, your neighbor. But above all things, man, may we fall in love with Jesus all over again. That like when there is something and people are in the room with Jesus, I want to be there. I'm not trying to make you be overwhelmed by filling up your calendar with events. That's not my goal with this message. Because I actually think that the problem with the church today is not having too many things to do. It, the problem for the church today is that we refuse to do anything. I want to show you one last room that I wish I was in. This is the room that many people believe was where Jesus would have had his last supper with his disciples. Would have been also the same room where the disciples were waiting on this Holy Spirit that's coming. This Pentecost moment. Man, if there's any place that I wish I was in, I wish I was there. Think about the moment when they're filled with this presence that they saw Jesus walk in and now they're getting it. We know about Peter. We know about the disciples. But what about that man in the corner? He was in the room. We don't know his name, but he was forever changed. What, what, about, the, what about the woman in the, in, in the corner that maybe she was holding a, a child and she was there because she knew that something was coming. She didn't want to miss it. We don't know her name. She's not written in the Bible, but she had an encounter and she was forever changed. There were people in the room. Scripture says there was 120 people in the room. We only know about a few of them, but those 120 were forever changed because they encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time. Now, let me say this to you and you can do the math. Scripture says that when Jesus rose from the dead, he had encountered at one time 500 people saw the risen Lord. Out of 500 people, 120 are in this room. Now let me say this. It didn't happen right away. The Holy Spirit just didn't come. They were in the room for a while, worshiping and praying. And I know there's probably a time where they may have said, is something even going to happen? Why are we here? 
But you know, when that Holy Spirit fell on them, they realized why they were there. So when I do the math, that's 380 people that weren't there. And I'm telling you, if, if there's ever a mandate for my life, it's that I don't want to be the 380. I want to be in the room when God moves. And that means I might have to sacrifice some things. I'll never sacrifice my family because guess what? They'll be with me. Oh, that's a different message. See, let me say this to you. Parents, listen to me. Your kids don't need another soccer game. Hear me? They don't need another thing. They need to be at church. And all my life, I've never grown up. Dad, I'll say this to your face. I don't regret being in church. I remember what God did there. I remember what I watched and I saw. It changed my life. Sometimes my kids say, Dad, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. It's natural, right? We don't want to go. I don't want to put them on blast, but I remember a couple weeks ago, my kids didn't want to come to something. I said, you're coming. Come on. Not because I'm the pastor, but because I love Jesus. And as a dad, I'm, you're coming with me. I remember when we were getting ready to leave or in the car, their attitude changed. Completely different. In my mind, I didn't tell them this. Now they're hearing it. But I knew it was because they were in the room. See, nobody might walk away from this service today and go, wow, I was healed. I was changed. I hope you do. But something today is being planted in your spirit. You don't even know it, but it's going to germinate and it's going to grow roots and it's going to transform your life because you're going to remember the next time God is doing something, no more excuses. I'm in the room. No more excuses. I'm in the room. No more. I can, I can get sleep some other day. You'll sleep when you're dead. No more excuses. I'm in the room. See, for some of us, we need to get hungry for the things of God. I'm going to ask you this question, Southview. Would you rather hear about what God did or would you rather experience what God is doing. I am going to be the latter. I want to be in it. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.